Hello and welcome to Modern Homemakers. I'm Leah Parker and we're here with Donna Otto who's going to talk to us today about children and finances. I think specifically going into summer and <laughs> making choices and how those choices might be costing us in the pocketbook. <laughs> you know, as you said it, I thought, did I really agree to do that? <laughs> children and finances. Oh my gosh. Uh, we don't always want to be children, do we? We want to be adults about financial matters. But when we're young, what, who knows what the value of a dollar is or a penny? or And how do you concretely teach children that? Now, the first thing, and of course, you know this, you and your husband do this well, is you model how you live your life. Uh, parents who live their lives to keep up with the Joneses, that's a very old statement, but to keep up with the world and the community um, have trouble helping children learn to understand what it takes to earn money, to spend money, to save money, and how we make choices how to spend our money. So this is a big, broad subject, but you're right, it had to do with the summer coming. And um, the whole business of summer, you know, that whiteboard time, and for those of you who are full-time stay-at-home mothers, it's not whiteboard for you now. If anything, it is blackboard. And there are a lot of writings on those every days because your children are there every day, morning, noon, and night. And so what they plan to do and how you help them use their time wisely and travel and do vacation things if you're able to do that. That's all part of it. But the piece of summer that always takes some indoctrination is how you move into it. Mm. What are the... What, what are some new house rules if you're at home? Do we all have breakfast together? Probably not. Is breakfast a meal that everybody's on your own? My dear friend, Webb Davis, who's in heaven with God right now, but when he was a little boy, he would look at his mother and say, is this another one of those you're on your own breakfast? So, well, that's how the Davis family handled it. Uh, Leah is telling me that at their house they call it yo-yo. Mm -hmm. You're on your own, right? But when the children see what mom has made for dinner, they want to know if they don't like it. They want to know if this could be a yo-yo. Mm -hmm. Children are so smart and they have so much more time to think about things than we do because we have so many other things we think about. So let me just say, make the summer different no matter what status you're in, whether you're working part-time or full-time or not at all time except homemaking. And I just recently read the newest statistics. I'm not sure I've mentioned this on air, but a stay-at-home mom's value now is $185,000 a year. Think about it. If your husband doesn't make that much, you tell him that you're the breadwinner from now on because you do. So uh, summertime, and, and that does include the use of finance. What does the financial picture look like during summer? One of the things that I want to talk about particularly is the ABCs of Handling Money, which was written and developed by Howard and Bev Dayton, and they are part of the Crown Ministries Financial Tools. The book, again, is the ABCs of Handling Money. Now, this is straight out just how to handle money and of course it includes how you're training your children to handle their money 
um, tools that will help in, them in their activities, teaching them financial principles. Uh, children learn from doing, and they learn usually from small portions of money that they are given um, authority over. Uh, my daughter and her husband were very uh, forthright with the children, uh, and I can still remember when they became teenagers, what did, what did they, they're taking 60%. And I thought 60% seemed like a lot. But then they described it to me what the 60% does. You know, it's for intermittent saving for something you're saving to buy that costs more money than your weekly allowance is going to buy. And then it's savings and then it's tithe. And by the time you're through with all that, they got 40% to spend at their own discretion. I think those are good principles so that children begin to feel the pressure of the, this isn't just money in my hand and I can blow it. Maybe you are one of those men or women or you are married to a person like that. My parents gave me absolutely no training about money. Um, I liked money and I loved buying things. So uh, very early in my teenage life, I got myself in financial trouble. And that was when my parents began to give me some instruction. So this book talks about 12 principles, and I'm just going to slip by them. We're not going to pause at every one of them. Use God's word. It is a lamp and a light unto our feet, and he discusses money. Do not be afraid to go to the scripture and find what God says about money. Remember that God owns everything. And the prophet Haggai's short two-chaptered book says that God owns all the silver and all the gold. And God calls us to be stewards of that. And he requires us to be found trustworthy. <clears throat> God wants us to work. God wants us to work. Let me say that over and over. You tell your children, God wants you to work. It's a principle found again in the Old and New Covenant. And as I've gotten older and become, quote unquote, more of a theologian in that I know more of the scripture and understand it more deeply, I am awed at how many principles God intentionally taught in the Old Covenant and then intentionally in a much smaller amount of verbiage, the New Covenant, the New Testament, the same truths. And Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it well. And in the New Covenant, he tells us that the man does not work with his hands. He is not worthy to eat. So this working is God's, and you know, it's God's provision for us. And those of you who are moms and mature and have been through some of these principles, you say, I know what working does for you. Some of you moms, like I was at your age, I didn't understand that. And I looked for shortcuts. And while I love to be busy, I wasn't always busy doing good work. God tells us to give. He says it's better to give than to receive. Uh, number seven, God tells us to be happy with what we have. Be content with what you have. Does that mean you can't work and plan and prepare and look for an advance in your job or move from position to position to make more? No, it does not mean that at all. It just means that whatever you're currently getting, be content with that. Happy and satisfied are words the New Testament uses. God tells us not to be in debt. 
Oh, no, man, anything. And I know I'll get emails and questions. Well, what about a mortgage? Well, a mortgage is a different animal in that you are constantly paying it. And the truth is, when you're finished with a mortgage for $10, you've spent, I don't know what the statistics are now with the rates of interest, but you spent $100 for a $10 borrow. So whatever you borrow, know that you're going to replay it back in singles and doubles and quadruplets. So, yes, the idea of paying your mortgage off early and living debt-free is something a lot of Christian entities teach you how to do, and I can't encourage it enough. But I also want to say, doesn't make you ungodly if you have a mortgage and you're working best to sustain your family with a place to live and look into the future. God tells parents to take wise counsel. So we take wise counsel from him, our father, and then he tells our children to obey our parents, to obey their parents and take wise counsel to them. God tells us to be honest. And he says, do not lie and do not steal. Do not lie and do not steal. I stole a bag of candy from the little corner candy store in my neighborhood, Chicago, Illinois. And I, I, I was so young and so dumb, and I don't even know how I did it. I don't know if it happened in a minute and I did it. I just did it. <clears throat> By the time I walked from the corner store to my house, I'd already eaten it. But I, I wouldn't have thrown trash on the ground, so I came in the house with a wrapper, either in my hand or in my pocket, and my mother asked me about it. And there I was. Like, she asked me, where did you get this? <laughs> and I, I had to tell her. And she took me by the ear, literally, and marched me down to the corner store, of which I had to tell the man I was sorry and promise him I would bring the money back. She didn't pay for it herself. And she knew I had the money at home. But she, she made it double duty. Because I think if I would have done that, I would have not gone back ever to the store. But instead... Face him, tell him, apologize, pay him. It's okay. We all sin. We all make mistakes when we're young, when we're old, when we're very old. And lastly, God tells us to be in community. And when we are not in community, when we don't have brothers and sisters, when we don't have, I mean brothers and sisters in the faith, you can live in a home that that you are the only one who worships and understands God like Mimosa did in India. But the truth is, community is available to us in our churches, through the body of Christ, and we need to have that community assembling ourselves together. Lee and I were talking before uh, we began this podcast about relationships, and I have been privileged to be a woman who believes in starting and staying. And I have many people in my world who I've known for a long time. Um, I've known for a long time, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. I have several groups that I have been leading. And I have to admit, they have, it has been a joy and a privilege, but it has also been a responsibility. Like, I'm going to be there on that day. I'm going to be there on that evening. I'm going to have something ready for those women. And one of these groups is beginning its 25th year. I think about that. That's a long time. But that community, when you look at a picture of those women, I could say that they know everything about each other that's important. 
and they are able to talk about anything when they're together. And when you have that, that's the answer to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That community gives you a strength to do what you need to do, and especially when it comes to money and training your children. So there are all sorts of places that the Lord tells, talks to us about money. Remember, as I said, he speaks to us about money. It's in his word, and all scripture is breathed of God. My godchild, who, um, when he was in the first grade, he's 34 years old now, uh, turned off all the lights in the auditorium and described the lamp and the light to me. And I'll never forget it. He was really, well, first grade, how old are you in the first grade? Seven? Six. Six or seven. Yeah. And I, I had no idea what he was doing. He just turned everything off. It was dark. And then he lit it up and he said, Auntie Donna. And he showed me the difference between um, the lamp and the light. Mm. And the lamp onto your feet. And his teacher at school had had this little clay lamp that hooked on your ankle, what the earliest Christians, um, earliest first century uh, people wore, and God used that as a phrase. So his word is a lamp unto my feet, the thing I put on, that just shows me the next step, that's all, what's next? And a light unto my path, and the light was always what's out there in the community. You can see it, you're going toward it, you're going there. So remember that that's how you do this with your children. You teach them like a lamp onto your feet and a light unto the future. So you're talking to them about all these things I said, being a steward, how God wants us to use this. And then what kind of work can you help your children do? This is a question we get a lot of time, often about, do I pay them allowance? Do I pay them for the jobs? Are they members of the family? Well, every family has to work that out. But I think it is a discussion in my opinion, that you and your husband have to come to agreement about. Now, I don't know how you get to agreement in your house. And we're not talking about marriage today. But I will tell you that decades ago, my husband and I were confronted with that thought. Not the thought that we read in the scripture, which is very true, that women are to be subject to their husbands. It says that. But in the earlier verse, right above that, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that we are subject to one another. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's talking about the Christian household, and he says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I don't know who you're married to, if you're married. I don't know how you met your husband. Were you working together in some committee or in some office and he was doing his work and you were doing your work, you would no more have thought of submitting to him unless he was your boss. You would work it out. You would come to agreement about what are we going to do together in this project. And I think we too often miss that being subject to one another. Your husband, a man of faith, you, a, was a woman of faith, yes, there are times when someone has to say no this is what has to be done. And we often put it off to our husbands. And my husband has told me, uh, I don't like it when we get to that part. I want to work it out so we both are in agreement because I don't want it to hang on my head. And I have heard 
terrifying story, terrifying stories of women who let their husbands make a decision about finances and stock investments and blah blah blah, and then they fail and they yell and scream and cause a ruckus. Well, none of those seem to be in line with what God calls us to do to one another, to love one another, to help one another, serve one another, and to be in subjection to one another. So we don't use the word subjection, we use the word agreement. And I may have told this story, but it's a most recent story that it just points the whole thing in a very quick way. My husband and I moved into a new house during COVID time, a new old house, new to us, old, 1959 built. We had a lot of renovation to do on it, and they put a porta potty out in front of the house, and there were pods with stuff. It was a disaster. Hard work. Went through a whole year of that kind of living we lived in an apartment first, and then we moved into the house, and the work was going on, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, we're coming to the end, and the kitchen is being installed, and my husband wants to put the biscane up to protect the workers from the rest of the house and the dust from the rest of the house, because we're living in the house. And so he starts to put it up, and he puts it up behind a small powder room that's on that end of the house. And I said, oh, no, just put it there on the edge of the kitchen. And he said, well, the men will need a bathroom. And I said, this is my exact quote, Leah, I don't want those men pooping in my house. Because now it's my house. I live there. It's not like reconstruction house. He said, well, that's not possible. What do you expect them to do? I said, like, literally, I'm saying things like, I don't care what they do. They just can't do that. And so we did what we always do. We didn't agree. He was sure we needed it, and I was sure we didn't need it. That's, we left the territory and said, all right, let's think about it. Two days later in our morning time, which we usually wind up having coffee or something together in the morning, he said, I've got an idea. And I said, well, if it's about them. <laughs> he said, no, it is about them needing to poop, Donna. However, I think we should get the porta potty back. I started to cry because I thought, I never thought of that. I only thought that they can't, that all I could come to, and I still hadn't come to anything new. And David only had come to, they have to. Mm -hmm. And so, in the end, we got the porta potty. It cost a few bucks. We were in agreement. The men were saved. And that's, we have found such peacefulness in that. So, when you're talking about finances and what kind of work the children might be doing, you and your husband should talk together. Should we pay them for every job? Should we pay them for some jobs? Should we pay them extra for jobs they might choose to do, like washing the car inside and out? And for that, you get a few bucks, whatever, that, whatever the dollar amounts are to you. Maybe it's time to talk to them about their gifts. There are so many profiles now that you can do. And in the summertime, it's a great time to take a profile with a child that helps you understand who they are, who helps them understand who they are, what they might do, what kind of work they might do, and how at very young ages they can begin to participate in a field of work that they might do for the rest of their lives. God tells us all 12 of these principles that I read to you, and I'm going to reread them to you as we end the show and tell you that we will post them on our website, 
and you'll be able to pick up the 12 principles, all right, as well as the book title and the author. Mm-hmm. Remember that each one of these 12 principles are principles that you can find in God's Word. He discusses us with us money. He talks to us about money. God owns everything. God calls us to be stewards. God wants us to work. God tells us to give. God tells us to save. God tells us to be happy with what we have. God tells us not to be in debt, in debt for things. And I think I fail to say it has a lot to do with about inflation. If you're in debt for something that now is worth less than what your debt is, that's not a good obligation. God tells us to listen to our parents and take their counsel. God tells us to be honest, to accept his son as savior, and he tells us to be in community. So finances, when the kids come in and say, I want ice cream, the truck has just come by, how are you going to handle those things this summer? I'm hoping that you'll take these thoughts and prepare some plans together so that the answer will not even, the question will not even be asked because the children will know how many ice creams they can buy, how many movies they can go to, what they're going to do with their schedule this summer, and mom and dad won't be put to that last-minute thing, I need five bucks or more to do something that they want to do. Summer is a holy time, and whatever part of it you have together, I want to encourage you to be slow. My word for your children, be slow with them. Leave something out during the summer that you normally think you have to get done just so you can be slow, face-to-face, available. I have two grandchildren, and I love them dearly, but sometimes I think, stop talking, I can't hear another word. They're only my grandchildren, I'm not responsible for them. But I know what it feels like to be a mother of a talker. But this is an important time for them to speak to you, whether you're listening or not. Make yourself slowly available as possible this summer with your children. Mm, That's so good. It's such a reminder. I, I think you taught me this a long time ago. Before you step into a store with your children, Establish. Yes. We will be buying a treat. We will not be buying a treat because even at 12 and 14, I mean, he's 15 now, <laughs> I still have to stop and go, we're walking in, we're buying these three things, and that is it. We're not <laughs> buying anything else. So it's such a good reminder. Thank it you, is. Donna. You're welcome. And just another um, reminder is the book that she's been teaching from is The ABCs of Managing Money God's Way um, by Bev and Ted, I think it is. Dayton. So you can, we have that listed for you um, in the description of this podcast. Remember, we are modern homemakers, and remember the common began and the uncommon finish. So go out and make today uncommon by teaching your children the godly management of finance. And one last reminder, we still have a couple of books left for our giveaway. If you would like the um, find a mentor, becoming, being a mentor, Finding, Finding a mentor, a mentor being, being a mentor. Well, tell them what we really call it behind closed doors. I don't... Fam bam. Fam bam. <laughs> so that's, I, I do kind of stumble over that. We still have a few more copies to give away. If you go to our contact us tab, you give us your name, your email address, the name of the person you're mentoring, as well as your physical address, we will send you a book. 